Day Video, coming to you from Calgary, Alberta. Our city now has an urban hen program, allowing licensed ownership of hens within city limits. I think I'm in favor of at least allowing this as an experiment, as it used to strictly be disallowed. Now that eggs cost quite a bit more than they used to, and corporate farming has come under increased scrutiny, at least having the option to seek out tiny local sources within the city is kind of novel. I'm Nathan Roar, and I'm trying to read more about local matters within the city. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Uh, honestly, man, like, first of all, I'm terrified of birds. Do you think you know this? I'm terrified of birds. Yeah, you don't like big groups of birds. Yeah, they're birds dead just eyes. generally, like, they're dinosaurs that just aren't are They natural. are dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah no, oh, no. Yeah. They this like, and everything about them, it's like, hey, their mouth is just, like, one giant tooth that they can use to stab you. Like, it's... Oh, I saw a picture of, like, a goose mouth, and it's, like, razors. Oh, there's razors all in that, yeah. So... That being said, like, I'm legit being like, man, having our fresh eggs, like, we have a big backyard. Like, I was like, having fresh eggs that you never have to, like, worry about going rotten because they take, like, if you don't refrigerate eggs, they can last weeks. Like, weeks upon weeks. What? You didn't know this? No, I don't. The reason why your eggs that you buy in the store has an expiration date is because they refrigerate them. Oh, okay. That if you went and got ticking? like an egg from a farm, like you took it from the hen, you can put it on your counter and leave it there for double, triple the length that eggs would go bad in the fridge. Oh, okay. I guess that sort of makes sense because a hen is keeping eggs warm to keep them going Correct. <laughs> to development just, or whatever. It's the moment yeah. they become refrigerated that they can like then become like they're expert like they're perishable but wouldn't all of this lessen the chances of you cracking open egg and there's like a partially formed chicken in there not if you don't you have know? a rooster sure okay like, these well, are, you these still are need interesting to, you just don't get a rooster just don't have a rooster anywhere nearby yeah. that's true yeah <laughs> exactly. and hopefully one wasn't wouldn't invade your yard or anything. yeah i think this is going to so. invite like we already have bobcats in our area this is just going to invite a lot more of that the the thing I was reading, it was about when Edmonton did this, like, nine years ago. Yeah. Like, wild birds attack the feed sacks and stuff. Because oh, it's just yeah. like, oh, dude, there's also all this great primo bird food just sitting here in someone's yard now. Let's well, descend I think on this house. The one people I know that did this successfully is they made a full bird box cage, though. Okay. And then they let the chickens out during the day, but they supervised them. And then they lived in this fully, like, no animal could get into the cage type of thing or okay. out and then it's not like super free range where these chickens are just wandering around the streets. yeah because that's how chickens die from like coyotes and like we i regularly see coyotes and we and, I, and we have seen bobcats in our communities it's like no if there's a chicken in our backyard just running around all day long we're gonna have bobcats in some, a heartbeat some bobcats gonna smell that and be interested <laughs> exactly so, yeah. um but yeah no it's it's crazy the the price of eggs right now and everything going on right now is nuts. Like you're right, it is. It's in my brain being like, I like eggs, but man, it's not. Like okay, co-op has this thing where you can win if the Flames win a game, you get like a free item when you go grocery shopping. Yeah, we've we've taken advantage of this a couple times. Yes, yeah. one of them was eggs, and I was like, normally I don't always take advantage of it. Sometimes it's like candy. Right now, right now, today's is like Cal and Gary's extra virgin olive oil. And I'm just yeah. like, no, we have olive oil. We're good. We don't need to get another bottle. I don't need to go spend 20 bucks I don't need to spend to get this thing. But when eggs came up one time, a carton of eggs, I was like, honey, we're going shopping. We're going to get these eggs for free. Like, I'm. I thought like, it was like, it's like you're watching the game. It's like, oh, I hope the Flames win. We eat tonight. 
if the, if the Flames no, it was win. just one of those things where it just it popped up in my thing, and I was like, oh, free eggs if you spend 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, I got to go grocery shopping. I'm going to get me some free eggs. Yeah. And we ate those eggs, and I enjoyed those eggs. I was pretty happy with them. So The last one I remember taking, we'd have like a jar of jam or something. Yeah, so that was yeah. Free. It's, it's always like, like oh, they're great. always their brand. Like, obviously, their Calangari's is their, like, uh, in-house, dem- yeah. like, a uh, generic brand or generic whatever. Brand, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, last time we got was, it was like a free candy bag, like Calangari's candy. So, I got Ashley some jelly beans. Okay. So, but anyways, it's... It's nuts right now. So, I I mean, we're doing okay when it comes to grocery shopping, but, like, we also don't shop at, uh, like, at Superstore. Like, intentionally, we were already not shopping there, and especially now, not shopping at Superstore. Oh, okay. And I appreciate that co-op right now is, like, not great, but it's, like, they're, they're still going as local as they can in a massive chain of, like, so... Yeah, they rebranded their logo. It's weird. Yeah, I don't like it as much as it's the... just weird triangle wheat head yeah. or something. I, I don't know what they're doing, but I think it's because they're not part of the larger co-op. Yeah, they broke away anymore, from Alberta right? Co-op. Alberta Co-op yeah. is like the big one in Alberta. Calgary broke off from it, so my co-op so card. You can't no longer... get those chips from Nova Scotia anymore. You can't get those chips. Those pur p u r chips. But every time. Yeah. We go to Edmonton, we stomp off in Innisfail to the co-op there, and they always have them, so I'm always happy to grab them. Local local chip tips. It, it, but anyway. They're so good. They're so good. <laughs> uh, actually, no, one other place has them. The Avenida Food Market has, like, a, a grocery vendor, and he gets co-op gold stuff, so he also sometimes has these chips. Okay. Anyways, did, you, did I show you these chips, or have I just talked to you about them? I think, well, wait, was there a brief period where co-ops had them here yeah because we stopped we broke yeah. off like and became fully independent within the last five or five or six years yeah so it's probably early on it was like hey you gotta try this and then we tried some and then they stopped appearing so yes very quickly afterwards couldn't. and then it was like replaced with other things yeah yeah anyways okay uh, i'm ryan and we are not a food podcast we are a film podcast that's right both f's and this is nathan uh, this week, we head back to a time when urban ownership of livestock wasn't even fully defined by the law. Wagons East is the film, and it was directed by Peter Markle and written by Matthew Carlson. Uh, this was the last film John Candy ever worked on, and it is dedicated to his memory. So definitely a storm cloud overhead, but we felt it was important to look at the highs and lows of Candy's career. Uh, it was released on August 26, 1994 grossed 4.4 million and i'm assuming that means it lost money because there's not a lot of budget information around yeah it definitely lost money i don't see this movie making money uh yeah before we get this wagon train rolling i'm gonna appraise you of the plot the west is tough it certainly isn't for everyone and who's to say someone is a coward merely for knowing their limits and recognizing when it's time to back out when they are clearly in over their head the town of Prosperity, deep in the heart of Mexican territory, is too wild for many of its residents. A local cattle rancher who has had his stock stolen for the last time declares that it would make more sense to simply call it a day and head back to St. Louis to pick up his life from before he attempted to be a pioneer. A group of folks decide this is indeed the move to make, and they hire the first wagon master they find, James Harlow, a hard-drinking burnout with a dark secret. Like, really dark. So dark, it makes this movie's tone bizarre. Oscillating <laughs> oscillating between slight family comedy 
and grim, violent jokes concerning genocide, rape, and cannibalism. <laughs> it's a weird one, but it does exist, and we are here to talk about it. Okay, I got right off the bat, I got to apologize to you and Why? to our audience here. Okay. I I felt it was me actually that wanted to have this movie in this batch. You were adamantly against this film being in this batch. I, multiple... I've seen it before, so yeah. Yeah, you've seen it. And you were also just like, yeah, that, that that rain cloud is not great. Like, it's definitely something we have to talk about, but it's not a fun rain cloud. But I I was adamant being like, I, I have to watch this movie. This is a movie I have to see because, like, it's his last film they worked on. It seems important for those reasons. And, like, honestly, like, I've always thought the plot was, like, a great idea. I was like, oh, this sounds like a really fun idea. How bad can this be? There's some movies that, like, critics hate and did terrible at the box office that I think are hilarious. Beverly Hills yeah, Ninja. Yeah, Wild Wild West, even. Yeah. Like I, Ballistic. I genuinely like Wild Wild West, and people hate that movie. You included. And I don't I don't think Ballistic X versus Ever was your zero, like, the lowest on your no, franchise. No, it wasn't. I actually kind of liked it. Uh, yeah. And, like, Beverly Hills Ninja comes to mind as, like, this. No, people don't like this movie. Critics didn't, didn't do well at the box office, but I, I loved it. So I was just like, how bad could this be? Nathan, I'm so sorry. This movie is so <laughs> joylessly unfunny and genuinely painful at times to watch. It's, man, I was going to call it like mediocre at some point, but it's it's not. It, it's bad. It's like, less it's than mediocre. Movie. It's Okay, but... to the point where I was going to text you. When you text me yesterday, are we doing tomorrow? There's a part of me that almost said... Yeah, do you want to just scrap Wagons East and we'll re-record the ending to last episode and we'll just cover the next movie? Because I sat there being like, I how how can we bring positive good vibes out of this movie? Because like I don't want to like sit here and like because I don't think John Candy did anything egregiously wrong. I just think this movie is so foolish and foolhardy and inept and poorly made. And so inappropriately, like, headed sometimes that I'm just like, how how can we polish this massive turd and still not be a turd afterwards? Because it is. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little different than, like, like I don't think Armed and Dangerous, like, works. But no. we could see, like, I think if you edited this a little differently or structured it a little differently. Or if differently, you had, like, a comedic director that kind of understood what these guys are about. Yeah, like you, you could make this work a yeah, little better. Like, but it and wasn't there's still egregious. little moments in there that gleam, right? Yeah, like there's exactly. Little bits. Yeah. Whereas this, this is such a like at odds with itself, weird. Like at at times, it felt like it was just trying to be a western. Like it's yeah. just this is just a western right I now. I sat there it's being like, like, so the movie opens, and I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't terrible. Like it's setting up the whole premise around like here's a series of people that don't like the west, and I'm like, oh, okay, here's the premise. But then it, like, I'm, like, sitting there, I'm, like, wait, is this a spoof? Like, are they going for full spoof? But then they s switch gears, and then it becomes serious, and then they switch gears, and then it just becomes a straightforward comedy, and then they switch gears, and then it tries to be a spoof again, and then it's just, like, what is funny? Like, who on the set was, like, this is, we are making funny right now. Yeah, it, it's definitely not shooting for, like, laugh a minute, like, blazing saddles, like, funny but as the top they priority. are trying. There's that many gags sometimes where there's, like, gag after gag after gag after gag, and I can see them. I guess. But I'm not, yeah. like, laughing. Like, the opening sequence. I just felt sequence... it was too dry to ever be in that territory. I, I was honestly dismayed when I saw The Running Time. 
Because <laughs> going in, An I was like, this movie minutes. should probably be about 85 minutes or something. Yeah. And it's it's like 20 minutes longer than that. Yeah. And it's an hour that and seems like a bad minutes. idea. It's yeah. painfully, like, especially for a movie that was like, had a truncated production time. Because they had to refilm and reshoot and re-edit around a massive like tragedy that happened on set and it's still so it's just like wait if john candy was fully there how long could this movie have been like that's what i'm wondering oh because he was there so you know the scene where oh they set up this stupid cannibal gag in the snow it's clearly like a post john candy scene because his his body double walks in past him and they're like oh where's he going oh he's gonna go hunting and then he just walks away and they have a series of gags and at that point yeah it's like i'm like guys why did we not just cut this whole sequence it was unnecessary because it starts snowing the scene before it's not snowing and the next real scene there's no snow on the floor so why did we put this stupid gag in here i i feel like at some point like the movie's whole thing uh, like the dark secret i alluded to was this wagon master was with the donner party yeah. Like the the famous like miscalculated we got stuck in the mountains and ate each other like tragedy of the real old West. real life tragedy real funny stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> but like but again a real life thing they took a like they didn't make up a name and allude towards the Donner Party they're saying like this movie's saying no he was the wagon master for the Donner Party yeah while yeah. making cannibal gigs cannibal jokes. So they almost needed this cannibal scene to, like, tie up the point of that whole line of thinking in the movie. Or or <sighs> what you do is just cut all that out, but then what's going on with James, Mar- like, Harlow? Like, he's just some guy. Like, it doesn't have any... Well, you can still have him give know? his horrific past. You don't need the gag around eating people. Right. So what happens is there's been this cow that's, like, with one of the ranch hand guys this yeah. whole time and but the implication at the at the moment is just like wait a minute harlow like went and hunting and suddenly we have this giant thing of meat oh my god we're eating people and then there's just like a oh it's just that cow haha no, and then they horse. just start eating i thought it was the horse no i think it's that cow that the guy thought about right uh i think that i think that cow's alive back home i think it's because that guy comes back and he's like where's my filly like my horse Oh, is that what it was? Because that I'm cow, as at like, the end of that movie, Nathan, I know this because at the end of the movie, that guy is daydreaming about going home to be with his cow again. I thought it was just, what were your favorite memories from the journey? And it was when I was frolicking with my favorite oh, cow. Man. All right. I, I'm going to say, like, I don't think you're right, but I'm also not confident that I'm right. Either so. way, they ate some sort of quadruped animal, so it's fine. You're right. <laughs> well, I guess it's fine. I thought the gag was that it's horse and that they're still excited Cow would just be like, that's normal and fine. That's just normal stuff. That's not even like horse is still like we talked about this on the show, but like horse in my mind is still like a taboo meat in this. I I don't know that this was even a taboo meat. I think it was just like screw that guy. We took his cow. He was yeah okay yeah Yeah, you're right. He is. That's how this movie opens with a gag. One of the one of the people that want to go back east is a woman who gets sold to a family of um, imbeciles. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, man. and the chief of them is a guy who, who is heavily implied, fornicates well, with his regularly cow. fornicates with animals. Yeah, his, his one cow. Yeah. 
it's uh, such a like all right this is the first five minutes of this movie and man the insensitivity like even john c mcgintley's character is just like wow all right nothing nothing sacred like you guys are just gonna go for all the lowbrow and insulting humor yeah, like cool. he's a gay character, and I thought at, at, at a point they were just going to kind of delicately dance around that a bit, but then there's just this, like, erection joke, and it's like, yep. all right, yeah, just, that's not funny, but all right, Kay. just hang Massive, out there. I, okay, in my mind, St. Louis, Missouri is not that far east. <laughs> also, Richard Lewis going anywhere in the world that's not New York City? yeah. Makes zero sense to me too. Doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's... I'm like I'm still in my mind. I'm like they have to make wagons east too, going easter. Go a little further east because yeah. Richard Lewis is like, oh, I don't fit in here either, because you don't. But I, man, this movie, this movie, this movie, this movie makes so much of this. We gotta go east bit that I feel like they should have just chosen one and then just moved on. You know, like it's just like. Oh, wait, what's happening? They're going east? That's crazy. And then they basically do that exact same joke like five times. Because they make it the main villain plot point. is like the main villain of this movie is uh, <laughs> is Ernest's uh, buddy slash frenemy from the Ernest yeah, movies. Yeah, I thought he was from the Ernest it's, movies. Yeah. Let, let me just look Isn't up it his Vern? Name. His name's Vern in those movies, isn't he? No, no. Vern is never seen. He's just a first person. That's right. Okay. Thing. Anyways, yeah, right. Vern's the guy behind the camera. Um, yeah. Anyways, he's that guy. And he his whole big thing is like he wants to stop this wagon party going east because it's giving people ideas and he'll lose money because enough people will be like, why are we out here? Let's go back home. Which is so water thin because it's like. They just needed an excuse. And in my mind, I was like, why do we need a conflict back home? Like, why can't they just, it just be hijinks on the road? Like, why do we need another, like, plot point against the villain? Yeah, like, when it, when it was just focusing on James Harlow isn't, or Marlow, I think it's Harlow. It's Harlow. Is, isn't, like, that good at being a wagon master. Like, he chose the wrong path, or, like, where's this river, and all this kind of stuff. Like, that stuff's sort of born out of just the adventure of we're heading somewhere but then they have this saboteur character yeah that is just oh he's an inept saboteur and he like should die several times <laughs> yeah. but in this instance we're gonna have like cartoon logic where this this actor can just like fall off a cliff and get crushed by boulders and then just climb out out of the boulders with his arm backwards yeah and then like later he's fine like he's just back in action to blow himself up and whatever <laughs> like it's he Did ultimately you... does die though right he gets shot like a million oh, times Nathan, uh, okay i'm not gonna lie to you and tell you that i paid attention a lot okay i i <laughs> i really struggled to yeah, pay okay. attention it's, it's, it's gaylord sartain is this like business magnate guy which feels inserted. Like, all of the stuff with, like, the boardroom of dudes is so divorced from, like, the the happenings yeah. for so much of the movie. It's just like, all right, we're out here in the West. We're going to start heading out. Hard well, cut to, the point to, like, where the far Calvary, away. We yeah. never actually get a comeuppance scene, do we, with him? With One. the main cast? 
Yes, you do. You do. Just at the very end, right? At the very end, they they pull in on July 4th when this big land rush like kickoff is going on. It's it's the whole thing with this movie is <gasps> it's essentially they're trying to market the West as like this is the this is the great thing. You need to head west. The US government is subsidizing us with money for railroads and development of the West. So that's the grift or whatever is like yeah. wait but if people think the west is bad then our whole thing could fold or whatever so uh, yeah what's going on sorry sorry this guy the guy we were looking at went uncredited yeah. like he was like yeah i was looking for his name in the credits because i was like i'm pretty sure i know who this is but yeah, i chuck. didn't see his name he's, so maybe i was wrong Ernest goes to jail he plays a cop and Ernest goes to jail but he's chuck He's in a, he's in several Ernest yeah. films. Yeah, he's in Ernest Saves Christmas or whatever. He's one of the like uh, shipping guys who yes. gets the reindeer and is like, oh, like but I actually he... didn't really think it was him until he does like this sort of trademark squeal when he gets yeah. run over by the wagon train at the end. I was like, I have heard him do that sound. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like several times. Yeah. So that's that guy. He, but like this guy who's in these Ernest movies, which are hey, you know what? Like there's a place for Ernest, but. And he's like, I don't want my name attached to this movie. And he's not this in this below my like he's in this movie enough to be to like it's weird that he's gone uncredited. Like it's not a cameo. You know, he's, he's kind of the primary antagonist. Yeah, like he's the mastermind behind all this. Until you get to like stuff. Charles Rocket, who shows up late in this movie, yeah, and kind of becomes the new antagonist for Harlow. But okay, I simultaneously feel bad for Charles Rocket. Because this guy has been attached to some of the worst comedies of all time, huh? Okay. I know he had a rough time on Saturday Night Live. Like, he cursed on air and got fired. That's the, okay, so that's a rumor. He got fired when everybody else got fired from the show. When Lorne Michaels came back. Oh, when there was kind of the changeover back to Lorne? So, he got fired the same time as, like, um, What's-His-Face and Eddie Murphy. Who's the guy from uh, the Buddy Cop movie we saw? Joe Piscopo. We did a whole season. Yeah, what? Piscopo. Oh, yeah, Joe Piscopo. Sure. So they, they all got fired at the same time. He was fired with them. Okay, so he's – I know him first and foremost. He's the villain in Dumb and Dumber. So that's – he's there in that one. Okay. But he's in this movie. Same year as this. Yeah. He's in this movie. He's also in a movie called It's Pat. Oh, yeah. Another Saturday Night Live uh, project, right? But, like – a, unattached from Saturday Night Live, Lauren intentionally didn't produce that one. Oh, okay. Because it's okay. terrible. Or, yeah. Oh, and just terrible. And he was, like, he's the main guy trying to figure out, he's obsessed with what gender Pat is. Because that's the gag with It's Pat is, you don't know what gender. This ambiguously gendered character. <laughs> yeah, which was, like, the funniest thing you could ever do in comedy in the early 90s, I guess. <sighs> yeah yeah but anyways they made a movie <laughs> called it's pat and it's 2.7 on imdb it's worse that's, than this that's one two full points lower than this movie so yeah. just yeah and we're talking about this in a very like oh man what exactly a so yeah. so i'm just I, i'm just saying no, charles rocket is definitely like a tragic figure like yeah it's just like, that's why i don't want to i don't want to rag on him too much because i know like the guy struggled with mental health and had an unfortunate yeah. fortunate passing. It, it, it's it. like another dark story on top of the main dark story that is yes. going on yeah. in a movie that like has a dark story as part of its story. And I wish it didn't yeah. like, I wish this was just like sunbeams and fun 
and nothing and it's just like no we're kind of trying to make dark jokes about people dying and stuff but we're just really bad well, at it and that's it. the thing when i'm watching the scenes where it's clear john candy's not in them i'm like watching these actors and being like they don't look like deeply bagged eyes like they look like they, they don't look like they've been weeping like hard filming these comedy scenes yeah and i'm just like yeah. guys how could you come back to this like after how could you do this like i don't even know wouldn't you just no, like quit uh, this movie yeah the scene that like the, there's this like extended fight scene right and i think yeah. parts of that are being filmed around the tragedy yes right so like which was weird to me because i read that on imdb and i was like what but like he's in those scenes like yeah you but have he, him it was pickup shots they reused yeah. a couple of his pickup shots in this movie there's a scene where like Harlow comes back and they're all really excited because they're like, "Oh look, who is it? Oh, it's Harlow!" and they all cheering, uh, or he's marching off to something. The he scene that they use for the him cavalry. marching is the scene of him like leading the wagon train from earlier in the movie. Like it's just uh, right. Repurposed? No, it's when he's going and face the captain. Like it's him riding off to face the captain. It's the same shot because they didn't do pickup shots with him. They filmed all of his major like lines. Yeah. Except for that one. So, like, the close-up of him, like, in the scene with Charles Rocket, that was taken yeah. care of. But him leaving to go see those guys. Riding a horse around, moving between scenes. And then I think they added this cannibal gag midway through. And then he wasn't, obviously, he's not alive anymore. So, they couldn't have him in the scene. So, I had to have this weird, where he's walking away in this, in like. In the background. It's so weird. Past the yeah. characters. The, the one that I couldn't, like, it was like, you should at least use an alternate take or something. Because, like, my favorite scene John Candy has in this movie is when they first recruit him. Like, they're talking drunk. to him when he's super drunk. He's yeah. just guzzling whiskey by the by the leader. He's <laughs> so wasted. And they're just like, man, I don't know about this guy. And he's like, hey, it's fine. Like, I understand you don't trust me. You'd be crazy not to, but you got to give me a chance or whatever. Like he really like gives it this emotion yeah, yeah, that yeah. doesn't deserve. Yeah. And then he's going over this like map and everything with all these baking tins and whatever. And it, it there's just a moment where it kind of swings in on him and he pours out his bottle and then like is about to smash it, but then doesn't. Yeah. They use that part of that scene later. I know when he's at a bar, like another bar. Yeah. And there's guys just kind of talking about, like, yeah, the Cowrie's going to smoke those guys that are going east. And I guess they need him there to, like, hear that. But it's clearly just that footage yes. with a different background. Yeah. And it's like – and instead, like, of smashing the bottle this time, he's you see a not his hand set the bottle down on the bar or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what is this bit? I he know. didn't have another take of that bit to have so it doesn't look exactly the same? I No, I don't think that – I don't think so. Uh, cause I don't yeah. think it's common to keep the footage or to like, like shoot multiple like takes. takes you're not using. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's common to even keep the, like to shoot that many take scenes, right? Or in like this develop movie. that even it's because just like, yeah, these didn't work. So throw it out. One of the saddest parts of this movie for me is knowing that like John Candy didn't even want to do this movie. It's terrible, right? What an extra sour, like. Oh my god. Th this kind of ties to like the first image in the movie that made me go, "What?" was the Carol Co logo pops up. Yeah. Uh which doesn't this seems so outside of their zone. Like these are like the action yeah. movie people. Well, right? I don't know about what you saw it on, but I had Lionsgate open my thing and then Yeah, it I definitely had a new logo and then like a newish TriStar logo that didn't look like it was from the era. And then and then, and then Carol the Co old... and it was just like 
Yeah. This is weird. This has changed. Nobody like TriStar is Columbia Pictures, and they're just like they just gave it to like Lionsgate. They're like, we don't want this movie. You could. We don't it. really need this. <laughs> yeah. I I tried watching this on my Laserdisc, but it just did not work. Like it okay. gave up. You the have ghost this on Laserdisc. Point. I have this on Laserdisc. It's like a cursed object, right? It's, yeah. It's bad. I know. <laughs> I was like, hey, why do I have this thing if not to watch it finally again for okay. this podcast? I mean, and here's the thing. Play. Even the even the photo art, like the poster art, you can tell yeah. John Candy doesn't want to be there. Like, it's like that photo is like – you can tell they maybe didn't get to the promo shoots because he's just like uh, – Okay, so the little, the little missives or whatever that I read about this was there was apparently a movie in development for Stallone and John Candy. Oh, okay. And that fell apart, but he owed Carol Coe a movie because of this. So uh, he was like contractually obligated to be in a Carol Coe production, and this is what happened was this movie. And then this movie unfortunately makes the additional like bad decision to film on location in Durango, Mexico in like a hot summer. Yeah. And I, I can't help but be like, yeah, that that really killed him. Like that taxed his him beyond his limit. Well, and you shouldn't have done that, yeah. you know? Because yeah. the movie doesn't really need it. Like, there's scenes where it's just like, yeah, this is clearly outside. Like, all these, this mess of characters are out you, on the plane. You could have literally filmed Summertime in Canada, and you, this whole movie could have just been in Canada, and he could have been at home over the weekends type of thing. Yeah, just film some prairie stuff, yeah. like, or whatever. Yeah, it, oh, it's such a... It, honestly, when it, when I found, when I read that it was, like, I was looking in the IMDb credits to see what was filming... And as I was midway through watching this movie, I'm like, wait, this is in Mexico? Like, this doesn't look like Mexico. Like, it looks like every... It looks like anywhere in the Midwest. Why did... They picked Mexico because it's cheap. That's why they did it. They Yeah. And, uh, like, there's little bits of, like, okay, there's some nice rock features or whatever. Like, the Twin Sisters Mountains sure. or whatever they're yeah. talking about. Like, that's fine. But for me, that's just, like... Yeah, send a second unit down to Mexico. 100%. Get a bunch of footage of vistas and stuff. Yeah. And then film this on, like, a set, like an old 40s Western, and it would just be kind of fun. Like, Which th- they like do. Those a nice lot of the scenes, scenes are yeah. are filmed on sets, but I think those are the scenes that he wasn't there for. Those oh, are, like, the post-production, man. like, we need to add in. Yeah, like, those night scenes where Slade is in the camp and stuff, like, that was, like, oh, this is, like, uh, you know red river or something yeah. like this is just in a closed little cozy set with like a fire yes and yeah. stuff like this if it was just inside like a comfortable environment like that and you could just riff around that would have been better and funnier yeah but... okay but here's the thing i got the sense that richard lewis wanted to be there i'm just not convinced oh. that he's funny i've never <laughs> i've never all like okay in my mind i know richard lewis predates this but in my mind because he's been on that show so much He's just to me like, oh, he's Larry David's unfunny friend <laughs> from Kirby Enthusiasm. I know I he mean, is. To me, he's also like Prince John and No, Men I know. Tights, I know. Right? He's also Prince John yeah. uh, doing his best uh, like to carry a movie that is probably dancing circles around him. Is that like his one big role for you? Like that's your big like Richard Lewis performance? I, I don't know. Like for me, it's like he's he's sort of doing a like nebbishy, like a Woody Allen type meek guy. Yeah. But he doesn't have this horrible like personal problem with 
Woody Allen, so I'm kind of okay with what gotcha. Richard Lewis is doing. He feels. I guess maybe I just need to listen to some of his. Maybe stand-up. he's like toothless Woody Allen or something, but at least it's like you know inoffensive or I mean, whatever. But so everyone, yeah. I was reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie because he saw it and he did not like this movie. Yeah, and he's like, know. he says all the same things we sentiments. He's like, how like sad, sad that this is John Candy's last movie, and he's like, oh, I, I was liking, I love this, I like this actor. Especially like his his two movies I appreciated were Planes, Trains, and Only the Lonely, or were his two like those are my two favorite John Candy films. Um, okay, but it was like, and then there's Richard Lewis who like, he, which I know will draw in the young crowd because he's like a hip stand up comedian in New York. And I was like, maybe I need to like go and watch his stand up to kind of grasp this idea of like Richard Lewis being hip because in my mind, he's hanging out with a geriatric Larry David complaining about anything in yeah. L.A. Oh, I really wanted to sit there in this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole bit. Like, yeah, I I don't know. He I kind of like him, but he he's in this kind of like goofy dad or like weird. Sure. I mean, like, that's that's exactly where he's for a lot of low-hanging like dumb family comedy in this movie. Yes. Like it's just like, "Hey, what if an old wagon trip where like people get d- dysentery and die, but with like kids being like, "I have to go to the bathroom." <laughs> In the middle of this yeah. wagon train, and yeah. everybody has to stop, and it's just like, that's like an idea, I guess, but that's not that funny. Like, well, it's, the execution you know. of it is so. So my next big point I was gonna get to is like, there's some funny gags in this movie that, again, directed by anyone else, might have like where someone was like ballsy enough to say, "Let's do that one again." So there's a scene, and on paper, it is funny. I swear by it. So they get harlow to start leading this exposition he's drunk when he agrees he doesn't really and uh richard lewis doesn't really explain to him what they're doing so when they start when he like sets out he's like let's go and nobody follows him everyone's like why why, why is he going off west and he's like come on guys and they're saying like richard lewis is like oh yeah i never really got to telling him what's happening we're going east and harlow's like oh i i've never never gone east before he's like and then he has this thing where he goes wagons and then points in east and it's like but that line read was like there's something funny there like you just do a weird like gag there but the directing of it and john candy clearly not wanting to be in this movie made for just like like a a fail like just uh it, it makes it it makes that moment kind of painful yeah. like how drawn out that gag is and yeah. it's just like it also made me go insane in the moment because i was like well what was all that with the baking tins yesterday because he's like mapping out the route they're gonna take and the places they're gonna camp how, how would he be i doing think they're that just testing him to see if he direction? knows yeah I think they're testing him to see if he knows because the, the stupid but part of his the gag... points of reference he was talking about still apply to I know. their journey the, 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 the stupidness of the gag too is like wait if he's gone west how did he get back to the eastern part of west to go west again because he headed east he's, he's clearly, gone yeah. east before oh, he just hasn't they, taken they people hit the east button so many times like they think it's such a funny joke oh so funny and oh they have like the room of board guys kind of read it and go like east what that's so crazy and their monocles fly off and it's just like no this is not that funny like just cut this bit <laughs> but they but they're hanging it. their hat on it man the whole movie is hanging hang on like their hat on Reagan's East, East exclamation oh. point. Like. Exclamation point, yeah. <laughs> oh, my it's, goodness. Yeah, it's... 
That's why I wanted to start off with the show, just that's apologizing. A, okay. I think that's the thing. Like, I did, I did like the first like five minutes when they're just establishing why everyone's done yes. with the old west. That stuff kind of works. Like you oh, have sure. Robert Picardo, he's yep. like a banker. And she's like, oh, my God, we're getting robbed again? Are you serious? Yeah. I'm so done with this. And then he goes to the bar. Yeah. And then John C. McGinley's like, trying to sell books in this tiny town. And, and the guy's like, oh, give me your biggest book. And he's trying to sell them on Pride and Prejudice. And the guy's like, well, how about how much does Pride cost? Like, because it's five bucks for this book. And then Two he's bucks, like, but yes. Anyways. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, well, no, it's, it comes as a set. And then the guy's like, okay, let me do a test first. And he rips off a piece of paper. And rips goes, a page, and he's going to use it as toilet paper. Ha ha! Yeah. And, that's and then like, so John oh is like, "I can't deal with this. Can't deal with this." Yeah. Then we get we get introduced to the girl who's also like, "Hey, I I, I don't want to be sold to a family of like animal." Yeah, she's she's a mail order bride, and she has like this gang of ruffians who bought her, and and they're truly like, yeah, they're just sweaty. Sam Peck and Paul. Somehow they ball. go back east. I'm like, they aren't they perfect for the West? Why were these people? Yeah, I. <laughs> when the wagon train was heading out, I was like, wait, why does that one guy with her parasol? Why are they coming? Like, yeah, like they bit? seem perfect for the West. Like the gang and of the what the West is. It's it's all this like setup for this like understated, not great running gag. Or as they go east one by one her like five crappy husbands die <laughs> yeah yeah is the bit and it's just like that's not that funny of a bit i don't know nope. that it's worth having these like creepy murdering well dudes and i around. thought i thought they were setting up a thing where she was gonna fall for like richard lewis and like have like a oh once she's not betrothed to one of these family members she'll hook up but then they like, throw him a wife and two kids that like pop in in and out of this movie unconsequently <laughs> i don't think his wife has a single line of dialogue she just sits there driving like riding like she's well, they, driving they, they the... talk to each other a little bit like there's like there's a there's a joke about women drivers it's where right. it's like give me, uh, hey hold the reins a little tighter honey it's like let me drive like it's just like ha ha ha, ha yeah. No, I... yeah i get it um it's a joke yeah there's a bill clinton joke like uh it's like president grant didn't inhale that's oh. a newspaper it's really good. It's fun stuff. A newspaper montage, the classic bit for Britain. That would have been re- that would have been super relevant, like that Bill Clinton guy. That's like yeah, super. The... Like that was like they must have put that on under the wire because like this was ninety four. Like that's like peak Mi- middle of his first term action. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty early on. Wait, oh my goodness. Yeah, because yeah. that was the big thing, right? It wasn't quite Monokolinsky. It was he did drugs, but he never inhaled. Yes, there's, there's like, pictures of him in college with, like, a doobie. But it's like, hey, I didn't inhale. Yeah, like it's that funny because that was the first Clinton scandal. By the next <laughs> by the next president, it was, like, there's pictures of him doing coke. And it's, like, he's just, like, I was in college shrugging. It's just eh, like, it's fine. It's it was fine. a fraternity. Oh, that's a... fine. <laughs> anyways. Supreme Court justice. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, anyways. Uh, uh, all right. So, Robert Ricardo. Okay, there's a, okay. there's a decent amount of Star Trek people in this movie. Uh, who else we got? The guy got... hanging out with with uh, oh, I have him, I have him, Nathan. He is, oh, Ethan uh, Phillips. He plays Smedley. He's like the yeah. henchman in, of the bad guy. In which one? Like he's like the alien. He's from like uh Voyager. He's Neelix oh. in Voyager. I think okay, he's so also he's... in Enterprise. He's in both. He's like multiple characters. 
Okay. He's been in Star Trek a lot. Like I think potentially longer than than the guy you're going to talk about, Ricardo. Well, Robert, Robert Picardo is like the, the hologram doctor in yes. Voyager, and he's in uh, First Contact and stuff. You yes. Know. Yeah, I, Neelix... I have a soft spot for him because he's in Gremlins 2, oh, okay. the new batch. You know, so I, I, I thought for how bad the script is and how bad the production is, he's at least landing his jokes, you know? Yes, yeah. Like, he's not given a lot, but whenever he does, he, he manages to make his little moment play as best it could. Johnson sure McGinley you... is laying it on a little thick. So um, you might, you, you've seen Voyager, right? I, I know Neelix, but he's such a heavily makeup character. Yeah, but he's also, in, I... he's a second, he's another character in Enterprise as well. Okay. And that's the show I knew him from because I watched Enterprise. Is uh, he the guy with the bad memory in this? He's like the henchman. He works with, uh, like the main bad guy. Oh yeah, okay. Right. So yeah, the the big industrialist guy out east, he has this kind of like balding crony with like big mutton chops and stuff yes, or whatever. That's, that's who we're talking about. That's who we're okay. talking about, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of his second banana or whatever. Out yeah. East. Yeah. So two Which, two two yeah. Star Trek Voyager guys. Yeah. Not yet though, right? Not yet, no. This is three years earlier or whatever, so Yeah. They're on the path to uh, <laughs> TV, but to working with each other. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's not my. I have a guy that I like that's in this movie, and I think he's sometimes funny, but like it's not necessarily always great comedy. Okay, but I want to say that for my MVP because I I was struggling to find one, and I was like, okay, I like this guy, and he's doing yeah. some okay things. I honestly, uh, man, my list of talking about points on this movie are are pretty short pretty spent i'm i'm trying to think of like what like yeah so you you just have this like structure of we're heading back we're giving up i kind of like that as an impetus i think it's okay yeah. it's an okay idea uh but they they tr they milk it too hard or like they squeeze that teat way too much and it's just like this isn't that funny well, like you okay. need more to flesh this out you know so there's this subplot so this okay this villain guy who doesn't want them going east hires this dude john slade to stop them yeah but like he's so inept at his job to stop them because they're so inept like what is it like it's he tries to do stuff but because they're so bad at doing things his stuff that he's setting out for them they don't fall into their traps and then eventually he uh, gets not quite it's like he has like a trip wire set up for all these boulders to fall on them and it just doesn't matter. Like, their horses step over the ropes or their wheels just roll over the rope. Like, it yeah. doesn't trigger it. And then he's desperately trying to trick trip his wagon full of rocks and then falls off the cliff. Yeah, he, he reminded like, me of, like, him, he's going for, like, you know? Wiley Coyote-type gags where it was, like... Total Wiley Coyote stuff. Like, yeah. Wiley Coyote saying up a trap for Roadrunner. It doesn't work. And then Wiley goes and tests it and it works on him type of thing. And there's nothing that nutty about what the, like, um... Robert Picardo's wife like pours out a bedpan or something yeah. or dumps out some like dishwater and it puts out the dynamite fuse. Yes. So then he has to sneak back onto the bridge, but they're like 70% over the bridge already and he's desperately trying to light it. And yeah. then, uh Oh, the it entire wagon train has already left and then he blows up. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So those are <laughs> gags that they have in the movie. I mean, I like Wiley e. Coyote, so I guess I'm there for some of it. 
I think I think it again. It's just it doesn't really choose like what tone of comedy for a lot of it. It's sure. like sometimes we're doing jokes like this where it's like this could be a G-rated family comedy about kids on a road trip. Like this is a really like low milk toast gag. Yeah. Now we're gonna have this like elaborate cannibalism bit. Now we're gonna have this bit where this like greasy dude confesses that he murdered someone when he was ten years old. Yeah. And it's like, is that funny? Like that's that's kind of horrible. And it's just like, I don't know. We're just throwing stuff all over the place. <laughs> like we're just trying different wavelengths, and almost none of them work. The one joke that I was like, huh, okay, caught me off guard with that one. That was okay. Was they're they're like getting ready? Like the cavalry comes over, right? Mm -hmm. And it's their I think it's their envoy. It's the first three guys that are from the cavalry. They're yeah. talking. They're threatening the wagon train. And at this point in the movie, uh, they have some escorts from like the Cherokee Nation or something. They're mm -hmm. escorting them off their property, essentially. Uh, so they're just like, oh, what happens if you don't like agree? Uh, you know the standard cavalry massacre. He can tell you about it. And he gestures to, like, the native guy. And it's just like, that's a funny dark joke. That's an okay dark joke. I wasn't expecting that to land, but it did. Like, I thought that was an okay, like... Who, who said making it? Making light. One of one of the... Th like, I think the General Larchmont's, like, a Ro Charles Rocket's second banana guy. Like So that's Don, that's Don Lake. Okay. Don Lake gets a chuckle in this movie. Yeah. He, he manages Kay. one. Great. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. I'm happy you found a gag in this movie, man. Genuinely. It, it's not a good, it's not a great joke, no, but no, it no, at no. least like is a setup executed joke. Yeah. It, no, no, I know. I'm saying, I'm, th I'm saying you found a gag. Like you found something yeah. that gave you a chuckle. Cause I sat there being like, like checking the time, like genuinely oh. second guessing all of my life decisions being like, I could be watching That's cool runnings right now. Like, what There's am I a doing? beautiful joke that's at my expense, at the audience's expense. In the movie, there, like, I was like, "Oh man, what are we at here?" Okay, there's still like 50 minutes left, and right around that time, there was like a halfway there like party they're having <laughs> in the movie, and I was like, "Oh, I know. There's so much left. Like, we haven't even gotten halfway." I appreciate the movie. Like, that's that's actually pretty funny. Like. I think it's an accident. Like, it's just yeah. like, no, this is part of the story. Like, we're, we're just on our way to St. Louis. But in the moment, I was like, yeah, it's a dismal ride right here. <laughs> this is pretty bad. So, so joyless. halfway there. Yeah. And I honestly, like, there's something dead about John Candy in this movie that just, even like when he's there, it doesn't feel like he's there. Like, when he's fully participating in scenes, he doesn't seem like he's participating in scenes. It's rough, too, because the movie is kind of structured like this weird ensemble. Yeah. Like, there's so many characters. Like, too many characters. Like, it's just, like, there's, like, two ladies with different, like, things that are sort of in the same camp. Like, one's a former sex worker. One just got sold as a mail-order bride. Do we need both of them? Like, do we need two of The these? former sex like, worker, she's from Little Shop of Horrors, right? Oh, sure. I, I knew I recognized her from somewhere. And she's she's trying. She's she's Yeah, doing she's the one stuff. that's like, has a bit of a... A flirtatious relationship with um with john candy yeah but then there's a moment that i didn't understand at all where like she gets all insulted and then he gets hit in the nuts and flies into a wagon i was like that wasn't funny like why did that happen why why did that even happen yeah, this <sighs> like but at least then, when you but watch then there's a moment 
where like there's little things he's doing occasionally like yeah. like when uh, Ed Lauder or whatever like the John Slade yep. is like walks up all like he's basically given up all his wily coyote hijinks he's just going to point a gun at these people yeah like he's like wow it looks like you got blowed up and landed on a barrel cactus like it's so specific cuz that's exactly what happens yeah like it's like okay that's like kind of okay but he isn't given like material to play with well, like he's there's not that even, one he's given scene. like the serious stuff too right like the like some like dramatic moments where he has to act like, his way through just trying to run a wagon train or like dealing with like yeah like i was part of a really horrible expedition where a lot of people tragically died there's no way to add a haha wink at the end of that <laughs> like you're just trapped there's no comedy there and oh i'm i, I was trying to think of like richard lewis kind of has a similar like he kind of just like he might as well just like kind of shrug at the camera a bunch of times like it's like that joke didn't work but eh. like there's just yeah. kind of a like limpness to a lot of the scenes finale like final bits like it's just like that was the punchline yeah that's all we have like moving on so yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's a rough ride let's just oh, let's just move one, on to MVPs one, one last like a uh, little nidbit tidbit for you just yeah. I was trying to recognize, I was recognizing this guy. You know the guy who's like has a, a coital relationship with the cow? Yeah. He is the uh, paleontologist for InGen in Lost Lost World. The guy with the cowboy hat and the big beard. Oh, the snake guy? Yeah. The guy oh. who's like, oh, look, that's a, that's a hippa, herpa, hippa, as he's like, they're chasing them down. Like they're trying to. Not to, like no, the, the hard-headed guy that, like, bucks into the Jeep. Yeah. But his undoing is he freaks out because there's, like, a corn snake on his shirt. Yes. And he gets eaten and by a T-Rex, And he gets eaten right? by a T-Rex and went a pretty solid scene. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, a snake, a snake. And it's like, dude, there's a T-Rex. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and then the waterfall worse. turns to blood. Yeah, it's – but it's he deserves it because he's trying to capture – dinosaurs so yeah like, he's part of the bad team of people yeah yeah so, so anyways that's yeah. that's so that's that lines up right just not a good guy sure a couple years later playing that guy <laughs> so hey anyways, yeah let's move on to let's move on to mvp uh um, yeah I, I, I mean i'm sure there's some little wrinkle we could poke at but it's just it's, not really just, worth it man i yeah. felt so bad i felt i felt so bad because i was just like as i was watching i was like this i fought for this i fought for this I should have listened to Nathan. Why did I fight you? Why well, did you, I fight you, you? It's part of the John Candy story, unfortunately, I... is is this stupid movie that isn't isn't like all out enough. I, I I honestly I think part part of me was game for it though, because I thought maybe I was being pessimistic. Like it's like the storm cloud of John Candy's death hung too heavily over this movie the first time I watched it. Yeah, that's now I know that. Maybe I can see the comedy in it. See, and time. that's where I I went in like assuming because I was like, almost heroes gets compared to this movie a lot. It actually sits on IMDb. Also related films is in it, and it's yeah. because like John, Chris Farley's last movie that he he filmed and was released. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but like almost heroes is not a terrible movie. There's some decent gags. Chris Farley's still being Chris Farley for most of this movie. It's not yeah. like peak Chris Farley, but it's like not garbage. So in my mind, I'm like, well, is Wagon Zeese like this? Like, it's just not like garbage. Maybe there's a secret bit. Like, there's a funny skit in here somewhere or yeah. something. And it's just, yeah, it's such a, 
a strangely serious story for for uh, John Candy's character. Like he doesn't get to be part of the fun th- that there is to be had. Yeah. Even like like if anything, the fun in here is just these people aren't cut out for the old west and they're having a tough time of it out on the trail yes. or whatever, right? Like these these kind of like east coast city people are trying to deal with it and they can't. Like yeah. they're just not good at it. Like uh, but then somehow John C. McGinley is also like an amazing gunslinger for that one scene. I feel like they have to like <laughs> they they gave him that because they were like we're not we're not being kind like, people to this. All we really have here is you're a gay stereotype in the old west. Like we don't have anything else. So how about you are quietly really good at shooting for I think it's also because he's ripped too, right? So there's like John C. McGinley's always been like Sure fit guy. Yeah. I don't know. I Anyways. like John C. McGinley, but he's yeah. not really like he, he's trapped in the same movie. Like he can't. He can't oh yeah, no, he can't it. escape it. Nothing. Nothing yeah. can elevate this movie. Is the problem. Nothing is able to elevate it. No. Um, it, it, it's okay. It's With that being said, let's down. get into MVPs. Yeah. So what mine. Works? I'm very happy that you brought up this one gag that made you chuckle. Okay. Because it was delivered by none other than Don Lake. Who oh, is like great. this one off? He plays just one off characters in all sorts of things, and some of them are like, like, I, I he's from like a big one recently. I liked this show called Space Force. The world hated this show, but I was like, oh, it's the Steve Carell like Netflix show. Yeah, I was always kind of like on board with it, and he's he's in it. He's just in a lot of things. He's in like a comedy troops back in the day. So he's been around for a very long time. And whenever he shows up, it's like, oh, there's going to be a solid gag here in this guy. And that's what we got in that one scene. I thought he was the funnier parts of those sequences with like um, Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket. I was like, oh, there's Don Lake. He's he's having a good time. Because even when Charles Rocket is drunk, like night talking and talking about stuff, Don Lake is in that scene. And I was like, oh, Don seems like he's having a good time. Yeah. But that was about it. The, the one, like, Calvary scene that just was like, okay, at least that's a joke. Like, if everything was at the same pitch as, like, hey, instead of a horn, a bugle, we have a big tuba. <laughs> like, that's dumb. Like, I haven't seen that. If you were throwing more gags at that silliness pitch, maybe this would play better. Yeah. But they, that's, like, their one bit. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, so, anyway. yeah. So, it's small. Very, very, very minute and tiny. But oh yeah, Don, this character like these characters don't show up until like three quarters into the movie. Yeah, like they're <laughs> they're all of a sudden massive characters at the end of the movie. So Don Lake is my MVP because I was he was a breath of fresh air. I was happy to see him at a dismal point in the movie. I was like look, grasping for something. He was just there perfectly enough that it I wasn't like bummed that he was there because like John Candy by the time halfway through this movie hit, I was like bummed that John Candy was in this movie. Yeah, and at some point I'm like second guessing scenes and stuff and wondering if they're playing around it. Yeah. And you're right. Like at some point you're just kind of staring at all this and it's like these people have to pretend they're having fun after something bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> like this is terrible. Yeah. It's like Poltergeist 3 or something. And like Carol Co was like we should shelve this movie. Like no, they're like no, we're going to release this and this is going to be John Candy's legacy. That's the worst part is I read a blurb that like the producers of this movie got like a huge insurance payout for for him dying so it's just like they didn't lose their shirt like this movie made 15.3 million to somebody but not for good reasons <laughs> like all right it's it's That's... sad right but okay back to fun times 
Robert Picardo. <laughs> yeah. I I couldn't help but bring him up already because it was one of the four things I I thought about. Yeah. Um. I just like him. I I just like Robert Picardo. This has me more game to see Voyager. <laughs> I guess because Voyager is the show you haven't really watched. No, I've watched a ton of DS Nine, a decent amount of TNG. I haven't. I haven't. I, I know. Garrett Wang lives in Calgary now. He loves the city for some reason. Yeah, it wasn't at the show. Expos that he just like because he started I hosting. I think he just really had a good time at the Expos. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> that he just so, stayed. There's like a Calgary connection to Voyager. Ooh, and Brittany's there's lots of people. Of there's lots of people that love Seven of Nines arc. Like, it, and, and it's a decent like weird premise of just like this ship is lost. Like, yeah, they got thrown out beyond anything it's yeah. like that's weird and that's, people that's okay. really like um what's her face the captain janeway uh, janeway yeah. people really like janeway kate mulgrew yeah yeah so uh but anyway speaking to the the guy that's actually in this i i, I enjoyed him as the doctor and everything too okay. but like i was saying he just he's given like bad gags but he manages to like hit the comic note of just like oh i dropped my hat or like oops i I'm going to put this little thing on your head and tip it or whatever. Like he tips his bank visor to a criminal. Yeah. Like he's doing little things the best he can. I always smile when I see him in something like he was in uh hail Caesar for a minute as like one of the rabbis or whatever. And it's like, Oh great. Rob Picardo's in this movie. So I'm always looking out for Rob Picardo. Uh, he's in all of it. He's on the wagon train the whole time. Uh, so occasionally I would go, Hey, like at something he was up to. So, okay. Uh, he is prominent in the cannibal joke, though. Like, he, yeah. he's the guy freaking well, out. Again, because they had to rewrite scenes because John Candy was supposed to feature in them. Yeah, yeah. And then they brought him in. They brought other other bit actors into other, some scenes. Like, th- th- that's the thing. The cast is populated with a bunch of, like, comic people. Yeah. Like, these are people from, like, oh, they'll be in a sitcom. Like, they'll be in things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, these are all people. comedy actors. They're just, they have no material to make gold out of. No, they have like almost just a western to Well, to and that's the thing with. I was like, guys, like why didn't my mind is like, why didn't you just riff on Blazing Saddles a little bit? Like why? That's okay. Like just a little bit more. Yeah. Like, you can just like steal gags. That's all right. I like those gags. Just do them again. That's okay. Cuz like, like yeah, it's like 20 years on. It's like, "Hey, why don't we do another western comedy and yeah. really riff on it?" Or but yeah, they're not really doing like a spoof. Like they're not like mm-hmm. Hey, remember Unforgiven? Remember, like, even if they were doing that, if they were just doing Hot Shot style, yeah. remember this movie bits? Yeah, those would hold up better than just this nothing. Yeah, they made movie. they made a western a, a western comedy two years after the quote unquote death of the western, and it's not a spoof of westerns. Yeah, it's not like riffing on Young Guns. They're just trying to make a western or... comedy, and it's like, guys, if this. Make a spoof about the Western dying, and that's why they're going like, east. Not just a light-hearted Western. Like, that's useless. Yeah. Like, Maverick is playing in the other theater here. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, exactly. It's... Yeah. Oh. By, like, a much talented group of people. Much more talented group of people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, so, yeah. Wagons East, baby. Uh, so, question time. Uh, if you want to send in a question, rhinoconvey.ca, nathanoconvey.ca. Uh, I have a secret question this Yeah, time. I saw. I, I was, like, interdimensional trade question i was like that's it's an interdimensional trade i've been working on this for a while uh just coming up with like little things so this is basically like if there was an alternate dimension yeah where this scenario happened would you go there instead of our world oh. to see these movies oh thing, you know? so for me okay 
I think about this too, like the what if scenarios, right? It's kind of what if scenarios, but it it's a little more. But you're saying I have to actually move there, whereas like I'm just like I would love to visit that universe to see that movie, and then I'll like, well, come mean, back to my world. If you just have the interdimensional cable box or whatever, you could just freely watch. Oh all yeah, yeah. Stuff okay, so you, yeah. No so the Rick loss. and Morty possibility of just like everything's on billions of infinite channels. I can yeah. watch anything like that version of Watchmen with the cast you wanted. Exists yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. where my brain went. Um, yeah. Th- this is a little more like this didn't, this succeeds instead. And therefore this exists instead of this is kind of how I have it structured. Okay. It's, right. it's from a bitter place, but I think we can make a meal out of it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start with an easy one. I'm going to, I want to hear the bitterness after everything's done though. There, there's one bitter one that I'll end with and it's, 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 you know, it's no good. It's just where Nathan's head's at sometimes. Okay. But okay. Would you trade five saw movies for a malignant sequel? A hundred percent. I would exactly, trade. Right? I would trade more than five. I would trade. I, I would trade everything after two, two and after four, because one is the first movie that made James Wan a big deal, and what gave us *Malignant*. That that's the thing. I feel you still need the first one for James Wan to get his feet wet, yes. have a hit under his belt, get yeah. some clout, you know. Because he which didn't leads to *Malignant*. He yeah. Lee Winnell stuck around, but James Wan just produced. Oh, okay, Nathan. Here's the question, though. Yeah. If Saw doesn't produce sequels, that means it probably wasn't a hit. So then is James Wan getting more movies? I I think you could say like the first one could still be a hit, but then the second one is so bad that no one. Okay. So like we got the second one, but it bombed. But then that might still corrupt like Lee Winnell's. That's what I'm saying. We don't get the insidious films. We don't get like death. Uh, What's it called? Invisible Man or whatever. Well, that's Invisible Man, but we don't get the Insidious films because that's them reteaming later on. We also yeah. don't get the um, puppet movie. Um, not Death Sentence, but the other one. De- Dead Silence. Movie? Dead Silence. Oh, Dead Silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry, so... I forgot about Death Sentence, which you're right, is a movie made by those people. But Same it's year, like, too, as Dead it, Silence. It's just that Charles Bronson movie, right? Yeah. Uh, That's a tough one because there are... there. Saw movies being successful is what kind of gave yeah, that, James Wan There's like space. a bit of a monkey's paw potential to some of these where you're like, oh, great. I would love that. And that's like, yeah. But but I, I guess, might. okay, in a world where there's no consequences, yeah, I'd give up all the Saw movies for a Malignant sequel. Of course I would. I don't yeah, like I the Saw movies and I loved Malignant. So, of course, I want to see that second movie. I, I think the thing with Malignant for me, though, is I was bummed out seeing it actually wasn't a big hit or anything. Like, of course it, it was wasn't. such a... It was it resonated like with like Paul really loved it, you loved yeah. it. Like my little circle was like, oh my because god, guys, it, okay. Malignant. Can I point this so out? So I thought it was a hit. You know, it was Evil Dead though. Evil Dead wasn't a hit when it came out. It wasn't really a hit until the second movie came out, and then people were like, oh, I understand what you're doing now. But sure. they're not going to greenlight Malignant two because that movie was like it was still like thirty million dollars for them to make it, and they didn't make it that back. They're not going to like greenlight a bigger budget movie for a second one. I think, and this is Warner Brothers, again, they're Black Eye and Warner Brothers, they didn't know how to market that movie. I went into that movie fully thinking I was going to get, like, an ins- like a insidious conjuring James Wan. Well, I yeah, I was saying it's like, oh, like, the poster or, like, the font they chose or something. Like, when I saw the, the just, like, the spike coming out of the M or whatever at a woman's eye, I was like, oh, there's some exorcist stuff going on. This would I, mean, really I like thought it was, but I was, like was getting serious James Wan. I, you, me, Paul, and other people all just happen to be also, like, dead silence James Wan fans. 
Sure. But if somebody yeah. isn't a Dead Silence James Wan fan and they're only a Conjuring Insidious fan, they would go to that movie and hate it. Because they'd be like, like, what, what is this, is this, this garbage? This dumb joke you're doing on me? Like, what yeah, is this? It's they like, would. No, no, it's like fun. It's like a Tales from the Crypt or something. 100%. Crazy. No, it's that's like what I mean. Matrix so I, fights. I think the movie was specifically made for this small group of people you know. And it's yeah. not made for the mass audience on large. Because, again, the trailers lied to us. Like, the movie I ended up getting, I loved more than the movie they probably were promising me. Yeah. But you can't you can't tip the hand because the absurdity 100%. of the movie but the is movie, how long they're keeping that like not telling you. You're right, and it's like. But you can give on, me guys. a little bit that there's a goofy side to this movie in the trailers. Yeah, the trailers yeah. were like, "This is Conjuring," like, and Conjuring is not a goofy movie. It's a pretty like serious, quote unquote, serious horror film. Yeah, um, yeah. Until Whereas, you get like, to, Anna- I feel like the first five minutes of you sitting down with this movie kind of like lays out the yeah. tone. Like, we had like, walkouts oh. when Matthew and I saw this movie. We had people walking out, like "Drag Me to Hell" style. Oh, but Nathan, yeah. we also saw "Drag Me to Hell" and people walked out. We like, saw "Drag Me to Hell" like more than one time, so. and people kept walking out every time we went and saw it at different intervals in the movie to the point where I was like, "It's like, all right, what, I have what my is this crap?" I was like, "What? This is like the great bits coming up. Don't didn't you love that part with the?" The teeth, Woman's the teeth, mouth. and the lady sucking on her chin. That was the scene that yeah. got me. It's great stuff. Yeah, man. it's great stuff. So okay, so I think we're we're on the same page. That malignant's way better than Saw. Love that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Want more of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Okay, I'm trying to see which ones here are. I'm gonna. I'm okay. I'm gonna lace this one's a little different. This one's. A little you can more just negative. run through them. I'm happy to. Actually, I'm on board with this game. So if you okay. want to do all of them, you can. Would you trade three Mission Impossible films of your choice for another Christopher McQuarrie, Jack Reacher movie? No. Okay. Because here's the thing. Not you said even three. if it's like two, you said three, three and five. You said it was, I like five. No, this thing. You said There's three. Nothing. There's only two that I would might ch- like trade. Might trade out. And that's two and three. I really okay. like four, five, and six and one. So... They're oh all... yeah, I, I don't I don't know how you trade out one, but you could if you're one of those people that thinks the series got good later, uh, which is real. Oh, no, no, if you think it got only good later, uh, yeah, I think one is my favorite of the movies, but I really like four, five, and six quite a bit. So I think at some point I've I've gotten to a point where I'm just like I don't understand these. They're basically just the Tom Cruise stunt show. Yes. And, like, the stories just evaporate. I, I can't tell you what happens. But, Nathan, okay. In let's, Ghost Protocol, let's have a quick conversation. other than climbs a building. Let's have know? a quick conversation about this because you and I have talked about this in the past. When we first saw Mission Impossible 1, we were both like, wait, what? Why is he telling him that John Voight's the bad guy? And why is this reveal later? Why is John Voight just kind of nodding and smiling at this insane revelation? That that's like a Brian De Palma weirdness in how he stays. I know. That I'm scene. saying like these movies have always been either convoluted in an over convoluted side to the plottiness or super simplistic nonsense like two is. Sure. Where there's just like yeah. a the good virus is the green and the bad virus guy virus is, is gonna red. kill everyone. Yeah. Unless Ethan Hunt stops. That's what I'm saying. The so guy I, that almost played Wolverine. I'm gonna yeah. sit here and tell you like yeah like the sixth movie, the plot for the sixth movie is nuts. But I'm also thinking of, like, Daniel Craig movies, and I'm just like, yeah, like, 
James Bond, why is James Bond talking to this person? Why did he have to go to this locale? Oh, because there's a stunt sequence here that they wanted to do. Yeah. That's it. I feel Quantum is that mostly to me, but yeah. I would say sure. No Time to Die has a bit of that. It's two hours and 45 minutes they had to like pack in there. <laughs> sure. It's like, do we need this car chase too? I was yeah. like, sure, it's in a force. So, it's crazy. Again, but you you nailed out my, like, I think you and I are going to differ on this. Mission Impossible is my what James Bond is to you that's Mission Impossible to me so I wouldn't trade out even probably two or three for another Jack Reacher movie because I'm okay with Jack Reacher 1 just existing by itself and I I just thought that had so much potential like Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher I honestly like I haven't watched the show because I'm like I don't who's this meathead like what is this guy yeah like I I liked what Tom Cruise's charisma was bringing to this role just in terms of like this guy is so and, confident and to be ke- clear to the audience you have read a bunch of the books yeah i've read like four or five of the books Which and is- i just imagine a gigantic tom cruise when i read them <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's, what's that? yeah so. you remember you tell me this like you you see you in your mind you envision tom cruise and then the, once the book references him being large in the room you just immediately like grow him up well, two there, feet. there was a scene where he's like slinking through a cave or something and his giant burly football man shoulders are scraping against these rocks and things and i was like this is so weird because I'm just seeing like six foot eight Tom Cruise now, and that never happened. That like never he's happens. a little man, um, but he's good at jumping. Yeah, <laughs> I really like Jack Reacher as a movie, but yeah. I'm not convinced. I think that movie exists in a pocket reality of like they couldn't re- replicate this machine because even talking like my dad loves the Jack Reacher books, he's read all of them, and he tells me about the plots to these movies. And I'm like, oh, so one shot really was like a different type of animal because the next one, Never Go Back, is more in line to what a Jack Reacher story is naturally. Okay. Even in the first handful I've read, there's definitely just like, this is just a decent like Jean-Claude Van Damme action movie or something sure. right here. This is like I just, hard target or something. I really liked you know? a few of like the more serious moments in Jack Reacher. Like I like the opening sequence and like how heavy like that scene is with the bad guy killing sure. all those people. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed that sequence. I enjoyed Jack Reacher's like nonchalant. I don't care. Like I'm chasing, I'm running away from cops, but I'm in reverse and, and all these things. I like this naturalness to these scenes. Oh, but, like, like I'm okay. trying to drift a muscle car. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Everything. Like I know mission impossible two's not a good movie. But I yeah. was a kid seeing this movie, and I walked out of that movie theater, and I was like, that wasn't terrible, guys. And then the world said, Ryan, that movie's terrible. And I was like, but guys, Limp Bizkit did the music. That's great, right? <laughs> oh, I, th- I I think 2 honest- two honestly bucked me off the wagon completely. Like, sure. I was like, I loved 1, and what is this garbage? Yeah. And then they're like, we're going to try to resuscitate this corpse. And then like 3 and everything, I was like, no, this is dead. You killed it. And then four was pretty good. Like mm-hmm. Ghost Protocol is the only one I've rewatched yeah. from the later ones, but I still I don't know. Like oh, I would sure. easily trade the later ones. Yeah. I whereas I again like for me, movies. like Rogue Nation, the fifth one, is my second favorite Mission Impossible movie out of the whole franchise. Um, I like Brittany and I have watched it, and I know that. But Brittany forgot everything about it. Like, I've tried to convince her. It's like, no, no, we sat down and watched that once. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. This happens. This happens. I don't don't know. Um, And she does that with different movies. But I honestly, I only remember, like, there's a scene where there's a glass box and a guy is, like, surprised that he was trapped in a box. Yeah, like the big bad guy. He's He comes back in the sixth movie. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I, it's fine. I, I mean, and he's hanging on the side of a plane. Like that was the thing they made you sure you know. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's sure not that, that interesting. Like yeah. that's you know. I mean, James I, Bond did that twenty years ago. But we've know we've long known this about ourselves that like I've I've always been a bigger Mission Impossible guy, and you've been a bigger James Bond guy. Sure. So like, it's just like I guess the same question would be like to you: Would you give up? I'm trying to think. Would you give up ten? Or twelve James Bond movies because you have to make your number really high. The math. I can't say God, three because you to, would. Because if you made it three, it'd be like, oh, easy. Get rid of Thunderball. Get rid of Never Say Never Again and like Moonraker. But if Done. you got, if easy you had trade. to get rid of, because you're saying three, and that's half the movies, so I would have to say twelve or thirteen James Bond movies for another Ooh. Jack Reacher. That's a lot of James Bond. I probably I I don't think I could do that trade. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I think that's the comparable example because you said three. If I could trade thirteen for like five good Jack Reacher movies, maybe. <laughs> but that's what I'm like saying. Like, you get my, you get my point, right? Because there's only six James Mission Impossible movies. You gave me half of them. Yeah, a pretty hefty percentage of them. Yeah. yeah. So for one Jack Reacher, and I'm like, no, not for one Jack Reacher. Maybe if they made a franchise, like if you said Ryan uh, Mission Impossible ended with five. And Christopher McQuarrie and Jack Reacher did well, and they pivoted to just make Jack Reacher movies and not Mission Impossible movies. I would say, yeah. sure, I'm actually okay with that. That was the thing. Reading the books, I was definitely like, this could have been like new James Bond, where he's a little more cognizant of like women. It's not as gross as oh, these sure. Oldian yeah. Fleming books. Yeah. Like, there's a little more mindfulness there. There's even like tough ladies he meets that are like yeah they capable. they tried that with Col- Colby Smulders in that second movie yeah yeah did you like, like there, you there, know, there's effort there you're saying you can like, tell that they were written fifty years later I guess yeah you know? you're saying that that second movie never existed right uh, well I'm saying like I would not make this trade for an Edward Zwick Jack Reacher movie uh, <laughs> that would be extremely mediocre I remember going I, I, into I'm it. saying instead of channeling his energies into some Mission Impossible movies Christopher McQuarrie yes. continued yeah, yeah, to yeah, collaborate continued his thing. Um, with Tom Cruise on these okay and and I think I'm on board with that I am but again it'd be not not taking out three movies that exist it would be like what if they stopped like Rogue Nation is the only Christopher Quarry movie, and then they made Jack Reacher, and they said, hey, we're going to make Jack Reacher only now. I'd be like, cool, that's fine. Um, okay, okay. But I, I just wouldn't delete Mission Impossible movies from, like... The timeline. Existence. To make this happen. So. Sure. No, it demands a sacrifice. Okay, let's hear the next one. Okay, I have I have a couple of like variations on some uh, Pixar stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll read my first one. I don't think you're going to go for this trade. Would you trade two Toy Story sequels? No. F- for anything? No franchise? No, no franchise. Not even. I like Inc. all four Toy Story films, and they're okay. peak. Like, ah, uh, maybe. Okay, maybe. Actually, I have a qualifier, and you're not gonna like it. But go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, the the real original question for Nathan was Bugs Life, and I was gonna say, oh yeah, three and four are worthless movies. Okay. See. Them. Uh, but, yeah. I wouldn't because of Bugs Life. For you mean more Bugs Life movies is what you're saying? Another Bugs Life instead of Toy Story three. Problem is that like you know? I would erase Toy Story one, and then it would be like oh then there would be zero Pixar films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just erase from the timeline. They never prove their yeah. formula. And because fail. honestly, I I don't know how it lands, but two is my is my number one. Then I think two it goes three, one, four, and then one. One is I've always struggled with one. There's... I think you you might like be 
actually correct in some way, but one is just such a landmark. Oh, movie. and that's what I mean. Like I so like okay. When I say when I say like like one is my least favorite, it's like they're not tens. Like you know, like they're not. It's the one that's the nine out of ten and not the ten out of ten or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's a marginal. I guess so. I, I was never a fan of three, so that's, Yeah, and that's I've always I'm been a big at. I've always been a big fan of three and I really liked four. So yeah. and, and because of my disinterest in three, I never even saw four. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. so uh, I mean I really like if you said erase the finding Nemo movies, I'd be like a hundred percent if you said, Okay, I'll pack sh- package in a bunch of other Pixar's if you said Ryan pick five or six Pixar movies to have another I'd be like, Yeah, I could do that trade. Okay. But it'd be like... I mean, I I have a follow-up one, which is, would you trade the entire Cars trilogy for a new Monster Zinc that's, like, after the events of the first movie? Well, that does exist. university. What? That does exist. There's a sequel? Monsters at Work is, like, literally picks up the moment the Monsters Inc. ends. What is it, though? A short or something? No, it's like a TV show. Like a 10-episode oh. TV show. Is it Disney Goodman Plus. and, and yeah. everything? Yeah. Oh, weird. They're not okay. the main... I didn't they're know not, that existed. They're one of an ensemble cast now they're, they're not the focus of the show solely oh. well crap anyways i guess that just exists but if I, you're saying the, like the a point pete was doctor, being total disinterest pete Do- for, for me the qualifier would be would if pete doctor is involved like directing yeah. and writing potentially because i'm a little nervous they just announced inside out two but pete doctor's not directing it and that makes me like oh this might go oh wow this yeah, might I go the the monsters university route which i do not like very much um i don't know whereas i really like inside out so uh, yeah, yeah i really like inside out i like p doctor, doctor quite a bit we just we just yeah. watched um incredibles 2 uh for the first time since seeing in theaters so it was a long time i liked it way more the second time than i liked it in theaters um, okay and we watched up afterwards because ashley could never get through after the 10 minutes of up like <laughs> that that intro to up is so strong though it's like this no this it is and so i i literally yeah. watched it cried then i called her into the room being like okay you can come in now it's safe now <laughs> and she did and she because she never got to enjoy russell like i love russell so much for the rest of the movie he's so devastating to me as a character because like his dad just doesn't like ditched him in his life anyways oh the the little like, the little the, like yeah the, the wi- wildwood guide kid yeah um, yeah yeah anyways so if you yeah that one would be said, but that's a that's a that's a softball question in my mind because Pixar's had some duds over the years like the Cars franchise. I could fill up five well, or six easy. I, I I was thinking it would be more of kind of like looking beyond ourselves because I I know Cars is so hugely popular with kids. Yeah. Uh, so it felt like it would be like a selfish choice. Like I'm gonna trade this this thing people love <laughs> Other people. for this Bugs Life movie that people don't really care about. Yeah. You know, actually like that's like. This is a, re- a remarkable thing because when I went and saw Incredibles two in theaters, I went and saw it like ten thirty at night. It was like a Tuesday night, like middle of November, so it was like not like school and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm in this movie theater and it's packed, like filled to the brim with like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds, just so pumped to be seeing this movie. They were like a wild, excited bunch, and I was like, "What is happening right now?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, these were kids when Incredibles came out. Like these are all kids." Now, now they're finally getting their sequel. Yeah. And I got to enjoy it with them. Like they were like five. When yeah. It came I was out. an adult when Incredibles came out and I loved it. And here I'm seeing the second one. They're like kids seeing it and they all love the card sequels. Like all of these kids like the car sequels. 
Whereas like was it I'm, just kind of fussy parents that didn't like how weird two was with like yeah it was fussy parents and people it was like, like me that, James Bond like cars exploding and stuff yeah that was me know? like and and other parents yeah but it was kids like just like what is this tone this is so weird yeah. and it's like eh. it's like secret spies and murdering cars and stuff like that yeah it was yeah so anyways <laughs> uh yeah so for, that's a bit of a softball if you said to me I'm trying to think of a, a, a hard Pixar question. Oh man. If you said to me, Ryan, would you give up any of the new original movies in the last five years for more sequels, but made by the original people? I would probably say no. Cause I like, like a lot of, I, I want more of these original Pixar films. I, I really liked Luca and turning red and stuff like that. No, they seem to be rediscovering some stuff or finding new paths. Yeah. I haven't watched a bunch of them but they seem solid i guess yeah anyways uh, i think okay. i'm 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 kind of at a point where i'm just like like coco was the last one that i was like wow that was well really and you and i went pretty pessimistic into that movie yeah and it's true then we both walked out being like oh that's like peak pixar it's really good i i've only seen it the one time though like i don't i don't find myself going back to these the same way okay I so know. i do like, i I've think seen... i was just like i don't have any like strong feelings about these okay yeah whereas i do i've seen coco a couple times now so it's yeah yeah okay i only have one more and it's it's it's, is this a snarky one can i guess what it is is, sure okay i mean okay Uh, it's one of two routes but i'm pretty sure i know which one it is uh it's mcu related it's not but oh if you got something no i I was just thinking of like where your snarky brain is right now it would be like oh would you trade in iron man one for uh some like perfect superhero movie that i wish happened or something like that like and then it just meant like there's no mcu type of thing no no i wouldn't trade the entirety of the mcu for like another michael keaton batman or something like that's a terrible deal yeah for no for Uh, him to be batman and batman forever or batman 5 with like nicholas cage batman triumphant actually or or that superman movie with nicholas cage comes out with tim burton it's so huge <laughs> that it's it makes such a franchise a smash hit that they they purchase Marvel before anyone else can. Yeah, like, like that they, they revitalize comic book movies, and there is no like Spider Man flops, no X Men flops, like, and then they they because they're bankrupt around that time. DC and Warner Bros just scoops up Marvel rights, scoops and, up. John Peters gets it all. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> we get anyway. more Tim Burton everything, like Tim Burton unleashed on everything. Yeah. It would happen. Uh, no, where my where my snarky brain was at in recent weeks okay. uh, was okay. Now, to be fair, all right, whatever. Just go Just ahead. Gonna read it. Would you trade the entire John Wick series? <laughs> okay. For one more Matrix film? No. And the answer, of course, is yes. Not on like, Easily, every day of the week and twice on Sunday would make that trade. No, and right. so like I get you, I get where your snark comes yeah. from. Because you you really liked Resurre- Resurrection. I did. Yeah. I did realize, like, I have four Matrix movies, and the world now has four John Wick movies. But yes. they're planning to make more of those things, and I don't well, understand it. But, they're making yeah. a spinoff. There might not, not there might not be another John Wick movie. As a person who's seen John Wick, and I don't want to get into things, there might not be another John Wick movie. Um, okay. Like, they haven't greenlit anything. They don't have anything written. The director said, we're not making anything uh the only he's like the only way what did he say he's like like when they were making three they were already starting prep on four 
they haven't started prep on five to the point where Keanu Reeves is like lining up a next his next few projects after this that aren't John oh, Wick. Okay, okay. Um, I just assume with the giant box office that that's a game well. That's why they're making okay. that they're making a spinoff movie uh, in the John Wick universe. Um, John Wick is from a, a Russian family. And in it, they, they have trained ballerinas that they train to be ballerinas and assassins. And they're making a spinoff starring Anna de Armas as a ballerina in John Wick's family. And John okay. Wick is going to be in it, but I'm intrigued how they're going to play that out. Um, so you did get your fourth Matrix movie. And I, I know you it's loved true. it. And I'm so happy you loved that movie. I genuinely get so pumped that, to know that you loved that Matrix movie. But like the world didn't. But that, that, that's like the whole thing. It's just like, I feel the world screwed up yeah. on this one. But here's you the thing. Put your I'm, the wrong I'm even further with the world as in like the Matrix franchise has been like diminishing returns every single step of the way. Okay. I, know people I would say like that's that where the world exists right now is like Matrix is the peak of the mountain. Then a few steps down is reloaded. Then a huge couple leaps down is revolution. And then... At the base of the mountain where we ran out of ideas and one of our directors didn't even want to be a part of this movie. Uh, That's an interpretation of events, I guess. <laughs> but if you're really true blue, you've had a fantastic time. No, and that's fine. Again, time. I'm just saying like that's that's where I sit. So it's like, yeah, not even close. I would have infinite amount of John Wick movies. Ugh. Yeah. You've only I mean, seen the part, first part one. Part of it's also just like. You've only seen the first one. I've well, seen all four Matrixes. <laughs> I just, this whole time with John Wick, I've never understood. Like, I felt so out of sync with humanity with this but franchise. But that's but. the thing is, like, John Wick is an, like, John Wick 1 is the worst movie of that franchise. Okay. I, I saw it, Nathan. That sealed the future. I, I saw guess. that movie when it came out, trying, and I tried to understand. Like, I was like, this is fine. I thought it was a big shrug. Like, I thought it was like a, an elevated direct-to-DVD movie. I sure. didn't think it was great. And then I was like, I think a friend was like, hey, like the reviews for two came out. And then a friend was like, hey, do you want to go see this? Is like, sure. And then two blew my socks off. And then three didn't blow it off more, but was about the same. And then four is like, oh, this is the best one of the franchise. Easily. Like, okay. so good. And so I'm sitting in like, John Wick is at the bottom of this mountain that we're now a, a climbing to get to the peak of it. Okay. And I, I, I just get don't the... have enough faith that it's it's going to pay off for me. I, I, like I saw part of two, but in a bad situation. I was in the hospital. <laughs> okay. And it did, it did not bring me the joy and delight of seeing The Fugitive for the seventh time. So sure, I switched sure. back to that. I mean, but, I, I'm yeah. going to say to you, never just don't ever watch the John Wick movies because I don't think you can like them at this point. I don't think I think the bitterness is yeah, sunk, sunk deep too into deep. my bones. Especially yeah. if this if we were having this same exact conversation uh like a year and a half ago, like weeks before Matrix Resurrection came out, then I could be like I was still pushing you to watch two and three. I'm saying now I'm like don't watch don't watch it because resurrection because I think what resurrection did was like solidified your grumpiness which towards... side of this camp i'm in it's like because like, you invented no, no, a camp is great but keanu keanu like there is no camp because keanu really liked both all the franchises I but know. like you you know that the end of resurrection there was no like it was like the one sole director's last stamp on this franchise being like this is it this has to be it 
we aren't doing anymore. I don't know. Trinity's flying around, and I'm yeah. I'm, I think that's because they just they wanted whatever. to end it on a on a higher note than that third one. Yeah. I don't. I think they came back just to be like we're we got to be done. We got to be done at the end of this fourth one. And they wanted to. They wanted to make it. They the studio wanted it so bad. And they made it, and I'm glad you loved it. But like Keanu loves both of these franchises. Like he was like. He's the one that's like, I would do a John Wick until I die type of thing. Like, he loves these movies. Yeah. He loves the yeah. work of them. And honestly, the stunt work, like, my wife was pessimistic about it. And I showed them to her. And she was excited to watch the fourth one. And she sat there for two hours and 45 minutes having a great time. So, I'm like. All right. No, like, leaving Shazam 2, uh, there was like, who are all these people? This bathroom's full of people. It's like, oh, yeah, John Wick 4 just came out, yeah. and people care about that. Yeah. I forgot. Why is this parking lot full? Oh, yeah, John Wick 4. Like, yeah. it just, it's such a disconnect from where I'm at with those. Sure. It's like, I saw two movies that day, Nightcrawler and John Wick, and I was like, oh, one of these movies is a masterpiece that I love, and then John Wick also happened. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I'm saying, like, I came out of John Wick 1 with the same exact attitude. Like, I... John Wick 2 retroactively got me on board with John Wick 1 to the okay. point where like even when I showed him to Ashley like like a month ago I was like hey like we gotta buckle in for the first movie it's not great it's pretty sketchy around the corner sometimes it gets better and she was like yeah it gets so much better like she she thought the first movie was okay alright so I'm, I'm just saying still skeptical but, but I think you're yeah. done like I think you gotta be just like and that's okay you don't need to be part of every piece of, like I'm not in every piece of zeitgeist because I can't yeah I can't yeah. care about every piece of zeitgeist anymore I can't because I'm just tired and it's too much to be in everything it's already I'm already having troubles keeping up with the, the few zeitgeists that I'm in like A24 I want to watch every one of their movies but I'm like I can't I can't watch all of them because there's so many of them and some of them are not the things I want to see and yeah. so there's zeitgeist that I just tapping out of. I can't do it, and I gotta be okay with that. And I yeah, I, I guess this is this is my way of tapping out of Mission Impossible and John Wick. Yeah, I just don't care. Exactly, I don't understand. I mean, and, and Mission Impossible is ending anyway, so you're you're on your on your way out. Is it ending, or are they finally handing the thing over to Jeremy Renner? <laughs> something i don't i don't know oh, he's like hurt that's he what i mean i was like it. after the year he had i don't think he's gonna he he actually wasn't in the the latest one yeah he had a cameo okay. he was like small and in the fifth one but he wasn't in the sixth at all um, it's time for benji man simon Pegg. yeah is he's all a up big in part it. of it i think no i think they're gonna end they might like they might there i'm not saying there won't be mission impossible movies in the future but it's like not gonna closing have closing door the door on the impossible mission force i think it's just gonna be like a fully like it's like a james bond soft reboot like they'll just do a whole new cast like, different guy we're not gonna get ving rames we're not gonna get like sure simon Pegg. we'll just get a, a new young cast and that's a that's yeah that's fine that's how properties like this work so i guess so yeah um all right that's the interdimensional trade game i might come up with more as bitterness continues but that, we'll try that to come is... up with some like like i liked the first i liked the uh first one quite a bit because i was like oh that's just like something you hoped for yeah i was trying to think of something to swap out like watchman for but i was just like yeah but it's like any i would probably swap out like easily swap swap out what we got with my version of watchman that i have in my brain oh easy yeah <laughs> like stallone killed it and that he won an oscar <laughs> yeah and like john cusack <laughs> was perfect and patrick wilson's still there he's just a way better than billy kudrow so yeah yeah 
man, what a masterpiece. That <laughs> and again, even uh, like uh, Gianna would be there too, uh, but she would be like the young version of Silver Spectre, like Silk Spectre, like the kid, not the mom. Yeah, such a weird ageist casting in that movie. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Anyway, all right, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to email us a question for a future show, ryanokavu.ca and nathanokavu.ca are the addresses. You can also message us on Hive, Instagram, and co-host OKVO Podcast. Uh, next week, we are going camping in the great outdoors, written by John Hughes and directed by one of his go-to collaborators, Howard Deutsch. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. Happy trails.